Well, good morning. Again, we are here to celebrate that Jesus is alive, that as I was praying earlier, death is dead, love has won, Christ has conquered. And so this morning we are going to preach a little bit and then we're going to sing a whole lot more. Uh, if you have ever read the New Testament or you just know Bible stories, you will know that the New Testament, these Bible stories give all kinds of different pictures of Jesus. And so if I were to ask you, you know, just to close your eyes and to think for a minute, like just get a snapshot picture of Jesus in your mind, I think you guys would give me a lot of awesome stuff like, you know, I, I picture Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000. I picture Jesus gathering the little children to him. I picture Jesus uh, walking on the water or calming the storm. I, I picture Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And so all of these great things, but I think most everybody would have a picture in their mind of Jesus in his pre-resurrected state. This morning, what I want us to do, what I want us to take a look at is Jesus as he is right now, post-resurrection and even post-ascension, glorified, unveiled in glory because he is alive right now. It's not that Jesus died, rose again, and died again. No, he died, rose again, and he's alive now. Never to die again. Forevermore alive. And we need to know this. We need to see Jesus in his glory because the world is crazy. And fear and anxiety and worry... As you look at the world and all that's going on with wars, uh, your own life, relationships, financial worries, struggles, jobs, schools, worried about your kids, worried about your parents, worried about your spouse, worried about the direct, like all of these things, fears and worries and, and anxieties can be debilitating. All the things that we face. But when we get a glimpse of Jesus as he truly is right now, yes, gentle and lowly with us, but also the death-busting, resurrected, glorified King of glory seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning, ruling now and for all eternity. When you get a picture of who Jesus really is, fear and anxiety can begin to lessen. Because we understand who he is and that Jesus is a straight boss. And therefore there is no reason to fear. The antidote to fear is a greater fear of the Lord. A greater reverential awe of who he is. And the Apostle John experienced this firsthand. On the island of Patmos, Revelation chapter 1 that Angela just read for us. And so context is king whenever you're studying the scripture. So let me set the context here. John has been canceled by the Roman Empire. They did not want to hear from him anymore. They did not want to see him anymore. He said things that they did not like. He did not conform to what they wanted of their citizens. And so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, which was like the modern day, or that was the ancient world's version of Alcatraz. There's no escape. You're there, put you there when they don't want you seen anymore. No way off. 
And so he's there. It's the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. Okay, we worship on the Lord's Day. We worship on Sunday because that's when Jesus rose again, first day of the week. It's called the Lord's Day. So he's there on the Lord's Day, and he's in the Spirit. That means he was worshiping. That's what we're supposed to do on the Lord's Day. Every Lord's Day, not just Christmas and Easter, every Lord's Day we're supposed to worship. And so he's in the Spirit. He's worshiping on the Lord's Day. And he hears a sound behind him like a trumpet telling him to write a book to seven churches. And so he turns around to see who it is who's talking to him. And this is what he sees, verse 12, Revelation chapter 1. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. These are the churches. He's writing a letter to seven churches, lampstands. These are the churches. And in the midst of these churches, one like a son of man. Now, who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus' favorite description of himself was son of man from the book of Daniel. And so in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Clothed, though, with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white. Like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. If you've ever been to like Niagara Falls or something like that. The roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. These are like seven angels, probably just representative of the pastors of those churches, the lead pastors. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, understand this. John, the apostle, the disciple, is writing this. Okay, the beloved disciple. He was an adolescent when he was a disciple, probably like 16 years old. And now he's about 90, and he's writing this. And he knew Jesus. He had seen Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. He had seen Jesus perform miracles. He had seen Jesus in the transfiguration. He had seen Jesus walk on water. He had seen Jesus resurrected like multiple times but this was different this wasn't jesus in his pre-resurrection state like we so often picture him this was jesus in his unveiled glory and it so terrified the apostle john i mean and he'd seen all these other things this so terrified him that he passed out and fell as though he was dead. The glory of Christ overwhelmed him. But then look at what Jesus did. Second half of verse 17. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. Like with gentle kindness, he touches him and tells him, Fear not. And then he tells him why. And the why is because of who Jesus is. There's no reason to fear if we understand who Jesus really is. And this same call to fear not comes down to us today. 
in the account that we read in Matthew just a few minutes ago. First, the angel says, do not be afraid. Then Jesus shows up and says, do not be afraid. Here, Jesus tells us, fear not. Okay, don't be afraid. Don't panic. Don't let that low-level, ever-present anxiety that maybe lies beneath the surface in your life, that doesn't have to be the norm when you understand who Jesus is. In fact, Jesus commands us, stop being afraid, fear not. Why? Because I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. In other words, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is the Lord of life, He is the Lord of death, and He is the Lord of eternity. And we're just going to walk through those three things from this little two verses and look at them together. And so first of all, number one in your notes, Jesus is the Lord of life. When we sing crowning with many crowns, this is one of the things that we sing. Crown him the Lord of life. And he's the Lord of life, first of all, because he's God. He says, I am the first and the last. When you read through the Old Testament, particularly the book of Isaiah, it says this over and over and over. God the Father says, I am the first and the last. I am the first and the last. I am the first and the last. And Jesus is picking up on that here, saying, I am the first and the last. If you look in chapter 1 and you go up a few verses to verse 8, you see this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Alpha and Omega are the first and the last letters in the Greek alphabet. And so Jesus is picking up on that and saying, I am the first and the last. I am God, second person of the Trinity. And I start and I finish. I create and I carry out and sustain. I am the Lord of life before all and after all. And as one preacher points out, because Jesus is the first and the last, that means nothing in the middle can beat him. Nothing in the middle can overthrow him. He's the God of the middle. He's the God of right now. He's the God in real time. For you, in real time. Sovereign over all things. Lord of life. Fear not. Jesus is the first and the last. He's also the Lord of life because, verse 18, he's the living one. He's alive and he's the living one. And he's not just alive. He is life. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you have both distinction and unity in the Trinity. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, this is Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Or John 14, verse 6, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is who he is. He is the living one. He is life, and he is alive. And so don't live in fear, because Jesus is alive, like right now. 
and life, your, your life, all life, is in His benevolent, kind, generous, gracious hand. He's not some dead deity who can't do anything for you. He is alive, Lord of life, at work for your good, even when you can't see it. And you can't see it because you're not God, but Jesus is. In Isaiah 40, he declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient time, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. And so because that is true, because Jesus will accomplish his purpose, okay, it's not a question. It's not up for debate. It's not up for grabs. It's not up in the air. He's not in heaven wringing his hands, hoping that this works out. Oh, man, I'm so nervous. I hope this works out. That is not the Lord of life. He is in control. And this guaranteed certainty of accomplishing all his purposes. Why waste so much time and worry? Fear not, friend. Fear not. Jesus is the Lord of life. When it comes to life, we can fear not. He's the Lord of life. And when it comes to death, Fear not. He's also, number two in your notes, the Lord of death. And so look at verse 18 again. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. <clears throat> so, uh, I hate sad movies. I told you a couple weeks ago I hate Hallmark movies. True. I hate sad movies, too. I have enough sad in my life, I have enough sorrow, I have enough drama in my life. Love you guys, but there's some of that. <laughs> I have enough of that. I don't want sad, drama-filled movies. I want something happy. I want a happy ending. And that's good and right, but here's the problem. Sometimes we treat the resurrection as if it's like just kind of the happy ending to the gospel story. But it's not just a happy ending. It's not a you know, little nice bow on the end of the gospel story. It is the fulfillment. Like you miss the story if you don't get the resurrection. It fulfills the story. It doesn't just wrap it up. It's not a happy ending. The resurrection has meaning. Sam Alberry sums it up like this, and I'm going to read it twice because you have to think about it just a little bit. The resurrection... Right, the meaning here. The resurrection is the outworking and proof of our salvation because death is the outworking and proof of our sin. The resurrection is the outworking and proof of our salvation because death is the outworking and proof of our sin. Like sin says there must be death. Jesus rising again in victory says, I came to end that. I came to break the cycle. I'm going to set that aside. And so Revelation chapter 1 here is just Jesus matter-of-factly laying out for his buddy John, fear not, I'm the first and the last and the living one. I am the Lord of life. And fear not, I died but I, behold, I'm alive forevermore. Like I'm the Lord of death as well. I rule over it. 
H.B. Charles puts it like this. The world says it is not possible for Jesus to rise from the dead. But Acts 24, the, Acts 2.24, the Bible says it was not possible for death to hold him. He's the Lord of death. He's the Lord of all. The first and the last. And so what does this mean for us? Well, a couple of things. First of all, if, if you have trusted Jesus, it means that you have no reason to fear death. We may fear dying a little bit, but there's no reason to fear death. And not just because eternal life lies on the other side, but also because we know that our Savior himself has gone through that and and experienced the exact same thing we will, and he has paved the way. He's prepared the way, blazed the trail, and we follow him with confidence each step of the way. When a believer breathes his very last, In this life, instantly, he is with Christ. She is with Christ. You will not, if you are in Christ, be separated from the love of God for one nanosecond. Nothing, I mean, Romans 8, not even death can separate us from the love of God. Secondly, it means that if you've trusted Jesus, your sins are fully paid for. This is what the resurrection tells us. Fully paid for. In the first century, when Romans would execute someone on the cross, what they would typically do is take a placard or something and put over their heads a record of wrongs, a list of indictments against them, of crimes, the reason that they are being executed, a record of wrongs, a record of wrongdoing. Now, Jesus never actually had anything, so the only thing they put over him was king of the Jews. As we stand before God, every single one of us has a list of indictments, has a record of wrongs that hangs over our heads. All of us do. Every single one of us. I mean, I bet if you think for just a minute, you can think of some that pop to the forefront of your mind. Your lusts, your jealousies, your hatreds, your lies, your deceit, your addictions, your secret sin, your self-righteousness. Friends, this is the whole point of the cross. Because when Jesus went to the cross, it's as if that record of wrongs that hangs over our heads was transferred over Christ's head. And he died for my specific record of wrongs. Your specific record of wrongs. And in doing so, he canceled the debt that we owe, the sin debt that we have, the penalty for our sin. But you have to understand, only if he rose again. Only if he rose again. Like, Good Friday is no good at all without Easter Sunday. You have to have both of those things. For if Jesus is dead, if he is in the grave, then we're still in our sins. He was not the once for all sufficient Savior. He was not the Messiah. He is not the King of glory. And we, most of all, are to be pitied because we believe in a fake. But because he did rise again. Like, if you're wondering about that, I don't know about this Christianity thing, uh, just research the resurrection. 
If the resurrection happened, it's all true. If the resurrection didn't happen, then I need another job. But I'll stake my life on the fact that the resurrection happened. And because the resurrection happened, because he did rise again, because there was Easter life for Jesus, that means there can now be new life for us. The blood of Jesus saves us because it's living blood. It's not dead blood. It was dead for three days. It coagulated and hardened. And then it came back and started, the heart started pumping. Plasma started flowing. Synapses started firing. He wasn't a ghost. Physically alive again. Eating. Breathing. Sleeping. Alive. And so in you are in Christ, one of the things that the fact that Jesus died and behold, is alive forevermore, is that your sins have been fully paid for. A third thing that the resurrection also means is that death will soon go the way of the dinosaur. It will soon be extinct. It will cease to exist. Like Death, I mean, we, we know that in life, we're going to face death. And we think almost, well, death's just a, just a natural part of living. I, I get that in a fallen world. But when God created the world, human death did not exist. It is not a natural part of living. It is not the way the world is supposed to be. This is not, de like, death is not supposed to be here. It is an invader. And ever since... Sin entered the world and therefore death came into the world in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Since then it's wreaked chaos and destruction as a consequence of the first sin of the first human. And has been our ever-present enemy ever since. And death hurts. Many of you know this way more than I do. I know I'll understand it more in the years to come. Right now, the closest deaths I've ever experienced are <clears throat> um, the only grandfather I knew died in 1992. One of my grandmothers died in 1996. Uh, the grandmother that I knew super well, uh, my mama Ruth, died in 2009. And she's the one who lived across the road from us on the family farm, saw her every single day, sometimes for multiple hours for the first 18 years of my life. Took me to school, picked me up from school, gave me a snack. In the summers, I stayed with her, and she worked me like a dadgum dog. <laughs> but when she died, it hurt. And it still does in some ways. And you guys know this way more than I do. Some of you have lost your mom. Some of you lost your dad. Some of you lost both. Some of you lost a spouse. Some of you have lost a child, and it hurts. And I can remember very vividly at her funeral in the little church I grew up in, mouthing the words, I hate death. Jesus hates it more. Jesus hates it more, and he came to do something about it. He came to kill it. 
See, the resurrection is not just the defeat of sin, it's the defeat of death. And just as there was not death in the very good beginning, so there will no longer be death at the end of the age. Death now has an expiration date. It will one day experience its own death. Because when Jesus walked out of the grave, he grabbed death by the throat and threw it in the grave. And it will be over someday. And then, finally, we'll be able to say, 1 Corinthians 15, Death, where's your victory now? Huh? Where's the sting now? You had it for a minute, but it's gone. It's been stolen away by the resurrected king. And when he returns then, in Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from our eye, and death shall be no more. Former things have been done away with. Behold, I am making all things new, Jesus says. And so, friends, fear not. Jesus is the Lord of life. Like, he's got you there. Benevolent, loving care, even in the midst of hard things. Jesus is the Lord of death. He's, he's got you there. He's going to take care of you there. And then number three, Jesus is the Lord of eternity. And he's got you there, too forever look at the end of verse 18 jesus is talking here and he, he says i am alive forevermore and i have the keys of death and hades now most everybody in here at least who's an adult or 16 uh, and above you you have keys on you right now and what are your key or, or you have them in your pocket or uh, as I say, pocketbook. Sarah says it's a purse. I think it's a pocketbook. It's probably our southern versus western uh, word. She also says crayon. I say crayon. We could go through a whole list of things like this. It's foil. In her terminology, it's full in mine. Oil, oil, like just a whole list of these. But you got keys on you. And what do your keys do? Your keys grant you access. Now, in Scripture, the way they use keys isn't so much about access, it's actually about authority. And so when Jesus says, I have the keys of death and Hades, he says, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. He's saying, I have authority over death and Hades, and I have authority forevermore because I am forevermore. I am alive forevermore. And so he said, I have authority over eternity. Very specifically, as one preacher put it, he has authority over who gets locked up and who gets liberated. And so here, here's the truth. Life is short. Statistically, I'm well past halfway. I know that's hard for you guys who are, who are younger because it's hard for me to believe. Life's short. Death is near. And eternity is real. Life is short. Death is near. And eternity is real. And we will have to give an account. We will be judged. And you and I are going to be spending eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. Like, this is just basics. 
And Jesus will be the judge on that day because he's the Lord of eternity and has the keys over death and Hades. And the Bible teaches that he will divide us into two groups, sheep and goats, wheat and tares. And you say, well, what's the difference? The answer is faith in Christ. That's the difference and the only difference. A lot of times, the groups look the exact same. They act the same, look the same, their hypocrisy is the same. But one group has faith in Christ. Like on, the last, on, on that day of judgment, either you are going to bear your sins yourself, or Jesus is going to step forward and say, I paid for those. That, that one's mine. I said he could come. And so the bottom line is this. Very much your attitude in this life towards Jesus will be his attitude towards you on that day. If you accept Jesus now, he will accept you then. If you reject Jesus now, he will reject you then. That day's coming for everyone. And so if you've never accepted Jesus, do so now. Like this life is your only shot. No second chance after death, no purgatory. This is your time. And so I plead with you to trust Christ now. Place your faith, your hope, your all in Him. Surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. Trust Christ. And when you do that, today maybe for you, or if you already have, then friends, fear not. If you haven't trusted Christ, there is a little bit of a reason to fear. If you have trusted Christ, there is no reason to fear. He's the Lord of life. He's in control of life. Don't need to fear. Jesus has that. He's the Lord of death over that. Don't need to fear. My buddy Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my brother, my, my King, He's the Lord of death. And he's the Lord of eternity. He's the first and the last. And the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys, the authority over death and Hades. And so this Easter, because of these truths, because of who Jesus is, because he is a resurrected king, friends, fear not. When you face tomorrow, fear not. It may be hard for a day, but Jesus is Lord. You don't have to live with that low-grade underlying anxiety. He is Lord. Like I said, he's a straight boss. On your side. With love and grace reigning and ruling, not just someday, right now invisibly now visibly someday resurrected glorified 
coming again. This is who Jesus is. So fear not. Fear not. Jesus is alive and well. And so fear not. Let's pray. Father, help us to believe what you say about yourself. What you say also about your son. In your word, what you say about the Holy Spirit, our helper. Help us to believe the truth and to live in light of the truth. Knowing that suffering may last for a, a minute, but joy comes in the morning. Knowing that there is hope in this life because Jesus has overcome, Jesus has risen again, death has no hold over him, sin has no hold over us, and death will have no hold over us someday. We are forgiven fully and finally and freely by your grace and your mercy. And so we praise you and we worship you that you have paid it all, that forever you are glorified and that it is finished. In Jesus' name, amen.